And welcome back to another edition of the Shooting the Breeze podcast. It is Sunday, July 24th, and I am Sean Mayo along with Tom Tice. Tom, good morning. Good morning, Sean. How are you? Slowest time of the year, isn't it, my friend? Oh, my goodness. It's just, this was a tough week to, to get down. You know, thank goodness we got NFL camp starting here this week. We got yes, the sir. We game a week from Thursday. So Can't come fast. We are, I think... Yeah, as of yesterday, the 23rd, six weeks away from our first full college football weekend. Yeah, is that Labor Day weekend? Because there's yep. some games the weekend before, I think. But yeah, there, there's a couple on the Thursday before that are just meaningless. New Mexico right. State and Idaho or you know, some stuff like that. But Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That Actually, that, that Labor Day weekend, there's three or four fantastic Oh, matches. Notre Dame, Ohio State at noon. I mean, to kick off two. That's going to be a great game. I'm all for it. That's going to be a great game. Actually, it's the 8 o'clock game. And the oh, they kids, moved it. Yeah, and the kids are going to be pumped because they're going to be celebrating the 25th anniversary of the 2002-2003 national champions. Oh, the Trestle Claret teams. The Trestle Claret team. Trestle's going to speak at the um, the pep rally the night before, and then he's going to speak at the game. So those kids will be jacked up. They're inviting them back, huh? Well, you never should have left. Based on today, so. what's going on today? Um, that was nothing. But let's face it, with Trestle Ball, I mean, he'd have been he'd have had to change dramatically. Although he was one of the first guys to bring in the multi quarterback with Terrell Pryor. Yep. He kind of saw the writing on the wall and brought him in. So, you know, he always was able to, to change with the with the times. He's a good coach. I always thought he was a very good. His teams were very fundamental. Special teams were outstanding. All oh, they were they were great team. That might that, the game against Miami in the national championship. I know it was a bit of a wonky ending, but it was a great game to go over time like that. The and, most uh, amazing stat about that game, and it's a stat that had to mature over the years. But between the freshmen, sophomore, junior, senior class on both teams, there was a total of 87 players who dressed in the NFL for four weeks or more. No kidding. Just think about that. That's a crazy number. It is a crazy number, and I just happened to read about it the other day in an article when I read that Trestle was coming back. So, you know, when you talk about something historic in sports, to me that was one of the best championship games of all time. Absolutely. I mean, it was. It had a little bit of everything in it. I still think the, gr- the greatest play is, was the Krenzel interception when um, Claret ran down the field from behind, stripped it from the player, and got the ball back. To me, that was such a – I've never seen anything like that. That was also the game that featured the horrible knee injury to Willis McGahey. Correct. Yeah, third quarter. Right coming out of halftime. He got one of, nailed. Probably one of the top five gruesome – most gruesome knee injuries I've seen in sports. It was brutal. Um, up there with the kid Lattimore from South Carolina. Yep. Uh, there's been some bad ones. But that obviously being in a national championship game – that one sticks out a little bit more. Oh, for sure. Before we get rolling here, I do want to touch out since touch base with the audience. Since we are live now, we are live on all the podcast sites. You can find us on Apple One, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Um, make sure you go on there, like us, follow us. I don't care, dislike us and unfollow us and then refollow us. Um, but go ahead and check us out. There may be a name change coming to the podcast here in the near future. And if that happens, we'll let you know. 
we will be up running live on social media and we'll get all that information out to you folks so you can contact us with any questions and uh, we can answer them for you so having said that uh, let's get into our winners of the week and losers of the week and i know it's slim pickings but tom you go ahead and start us off well the loser of the week is the fans because there wasn't anything to watch um oh, God. It was just absolutely brutal ridiculous. I watched three full baseball games yesterday while I was out working in the yard and messing around. Just so I was so glad it was back. Yeah. But um, you know, it's so funny because, and I tell everybody this, the only two days of the year where there cannot be a major sporting event is the day before and the day after the All-Star game. I mean, nothing goes on. And that's why the ESPYs are on on that Wednesday oh, night. Oh, God, and that's painful to watch. I can't, I can't watch it. To me, it's no different than the Oscars or the Emmys or any of those shows. I just, you know, in ESPN, like I said, I don't watch their content. I simply watch sporting events on ESPN. Yeah. Um, don't like their content. And my winner of the week is my beloved Cleveland Guardian slash Indians. Uh, the tribe represented very, very well in the All-Star game. They did. Uh, the play by Jimenez uh, at short was nothing spectacular, with nothing short of spectacular. Yeah. Kind of showed, kind of almost reminded you of the old Omar Vizquel days. Oh man, could he pick it? And um, you know, Class A, the closer. Um, you know, he has such upside. You know, the kid's. I think he's 22 years old. Just turned 22. Yeah. Throws a 101 mile an hour fastball. Um, not to mention the Indians have won four of their last five, and they're about a game and a half out of first. So, I'm excited for them going forward. Yeah, Young they're Steve. right on the twin seals. Yeah, it's the youngest team in baseball. Yeah. They don't even know, you know, Tito just keeps playing with the lineup. He doesn't know what he has yet. Um, he's got some great players. He's got Naylor, Nolan Jones, Jimenez. Yeah, Naylor's my favorite player on the team. I like Ramirez, too, but Josh Naylor is just a, a hard-nosed ball player. He is. He, he, he's really good. Um, but like I said, it's such a young baseball team. Going forward, I think it's going to be really fun for the Cleveland fans to watch. Well, I think they're strictly – they're in the hunt now. They are not only division but wild card. They're within shouting distance now. I know the Mariners white hot before the oh, break. Oh, man, are they hot. They had won 14 in a row before the All-Star break. Um, so they're in a wild card spot. The Red Sox have gone in the proverbial toilet. Well, you know, it's funny. They, they can stay off, there. They started off slow. They got really hot. And, you know, right before the All-Star break, I thought they lost, what, six out of nine? Yep. And they've come back. And I don't think they've won since, have they? Or did they win Friday night? I think they won Friday night. Okay. No, Friday night was the night they got they lost 24, 28, yeah, 28, 28 to, to 5 or 8 or whatever it was. Yeah, and they were only a one-touchdown underdog in that game. So yeah, I right? Super, I was surprised that they <laughs> lost Friday I didn't uh, – that game featured something I don't think I've ever seen before in watching baseball, an inside-the-park grand slam. Wow. Guy loses the ball in the lights. The other outfielders are nowhere near to back him up. Ball lands on the track. And everybody just skated right around the uh, the bases. Never seen that before. That was interesting. I was going to say, I don't think I've ever seen that before either. Nope. So, the Blue Jays had lost 7-9 before the break. The Sox are going in the toilet. Um, the Rays are still hanging in there. Somehow, I, I don't know how with the amount of injuries that they've had. Yeah, they've just been, the last two seasons, Jeez. they've had just an incredible injury bug. And I, and I will say this, um, you know, from living down here and following the Rays, I don't think the basket's quite as full in the minor leagues as it has been in the past 
the pitching's there. I don't think the, the bats are there. No, and the pitching, you know, Cleveland and Tampa are mirror images of each other. They win with great defense, and they win with pitching. And, and shoestring they, budgets. And shoestring budgets, correct. But I don't think Tampa's defense has been very good this year overall. I think they've been very average, and um, I think that's what's hurting them also. They've lost a couple of games where they should have won. Uh, just because of defensive miscues. Yeah, and it, it's a, a guy like Kevin Kiermaier, a perennial gold glover in center field. He's had a horrible defensive year. Yeah, I don't know. And it, it, uh, there was two or three where they were just basic pop-ups yeah. that he misjudged. Yeah, I've seen that. And I and they're also causing themselves outs on the base paths. Oh, yeah. Well, Rosario's the worst. At, is, yeah, worst base runner I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, it's just like. He's in and out mentally. Yep. He kind of reminds you of old Manny Ramirez, you know. He's just, he doesn't, he's got the attention span of an amoeba sometimes. Yeah, out there yeah. So, I think the wild card is in play for all these teams. Nobody's. Well, I think in the Central, you got to win the division to get in. Because nobody in that division is going to get a wild card. All right, these teams coming back to the, keep coming back to the pack. Well, you never know. But, yeah, I, I agree with you in principle. That's I still think probably the case. I think Probably Tampa, for sure. I think the Mariners and either the Blue Jays or Boston. Yeah. But I think Blue Jays have a better shot at it than Boston does at this point. And the Boston Blue just has no pitching. And the, the Blue Jays kind of, they're Jekyll and Hyde to me. Yeah. Well, they're, they're, they should be better than they are. Well, they should be. I mean, I really thought they would contend with the Yankees, but I don't think anybody saw the Yankees coming out and being 25 games above 500 at this point either. And so, I know you, you mentioned you think the Yankees are going to come back to the pack a little bit. I do. I do. They lost uh, two key members of their bullpen. Um, what was the guy's name the other night that broke his elbow? Michael King. King. Yeah. I mean, he threw a pitch, grabbed his arm, and, you yeah. know, when you see that happen – Oh, you know right away. You know something bad happened. Well, and then similar happened with Chris Sale. Uh, you know, he battled back all the way from injuries and pitching last weekend before the All-Star break. Same thing right off the mound, right into the dugout. You knew it. it was... And then the Yankees lost another reliever before the All-Star break. Two weeks before the All-Star break. Can't think of his name, but he's another guy. That at was... some point, I can see the Yankees getting a little complacent here. The ho-hum doldrums of July and August and – well, they better not because Houston Astros are right behind them. Yeah. I mean, that is a good, good fundamental baseball yeah, I team. Um, I think the best pure hitting team in baseball. It's one of Krusty Dusty's best managing yeah. jobs. And you got to love the guy. I'm not sure how old Krusty Dusty is. Dusty's 74, 75. And you know what's funny about him? And it's a comparison between him and LaRusso because they're close to the same age. Dusty relates to his players. Yeah. I don't think LaRusso does because this White Sox team, from top to bottom, including pitching, uh, you know, there's no way Cueto should be five and five. I mean, no. you look at that kid. You know, the Indians bombed him yesterday again. I just just don't think those kids relate to him. And it's a young baseball. No, I think LaRusso's done after this year. I do too. And Dusty will go as long as he wants to. Uh, they like him in Houston, and he's done a good job he's there. He's done a great job. You know, after everything that they went through. You know, for her to you know, he came in. Um, he basically, you know, protected the culture of the team. Yeah. Um, he didn't throw anybody under the bus. He's like, hey, new program, do this, new that. We're going forward. Yep. And I just thought he's done a great job. Well, um, 
my winners of the week, losers of the week are going to come from the same genre. Uh, my winner of the week is going to be the LIV tour because <laughs> slow and steady wins the race. They just keep picking guys off. Yeah, it's amazing what they're doing. And now they're getting some of the younger kids from the tour to see the kid that won last weekend, Cameron Smith. He wins the British Open. And then two days later, he's accepting an invitation to the LIV. For $133 million guaranteed? Yeah, it's going to take him Jeez. at least seven years on the tour to make that kind of money. And he gets that money just to show up. Yep. And all these guys, that they want to rip these guys for doing it are fools. Yeah, and it's funny to come out and listen. You know, Jack has spoken, Tiger's spoken. But they're not getting on in the pulpit here and just preaching – how bad the LIV is. Nicholas came out the other day and he said, I've been lifelong friends with Greg Norman. Right. And I'll continue to be lifelong friends with Greg Norman. No different if we're sitting there and having a conversation and we disagree whether it's politics or religion or something. I don't agree with Greg on his stance with the, with this, not call, he wouldn't say the name, but on this venture. And uh, that's fine. You don't have to agree. He says, I'm still going to be friends with him. Right. But, but I think you're almost foolish to turn this this kind of money down. This is this is generational changing. A lega legacy change. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's, stamp your name in stone, and this is your kids, 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 kids. Yeah. And family are set for life. And um, the fact that Barkley, Charles Barkley, is going to be somehow involved in the LIV. Yes, he's leaving Turner Sports. He's not leaving. Oh, he's not. Okay. No, no. Right. they're gonna. He's gonna be able to do both. From what well, I, it's only nine, ten tournaments a year right now. From what I last read, and it was funny because, you know, Charles says what he has to say and moves on. Sure. And um, he's getting quite a bit of change for this, getting a nice getting a nice paycheck. Yeah, I heard and, somewhere in the neighborhood of $75 million. Yes. It's three years, $75 million. That's $25 million. He's only getting $10 million a year um, on TNT. And he said, Charles being Charles, he jokingly said, hey, at some point in time in life, everybody takes blood money. That's right. So I, I loved it. You know, and he'll, he'll bring a, a certain, um, I don't know, he'll, he'll bring some fun to the tournament. Um, yeah, I think a little lighthearted voice. <laughs> and that's why it wouldn't surprise me when I saw them going after Barkley. Are they going to get David Faraday? Well, they got him. Does Fred, did, yeah, he, I, I know he was talking. I didn't he, know it was he official. He, okay. He's official. He's leaving. He's so going. now you get Faraday or maybe a Gary McCord. You know, I know he got ran off of CBS when he made that comment about the greens at the Masters. What did he say? Uh, I, I forget. They were uh, faster than uh, a lesbian getting a bikini wax. <laughs> well, the Masters group didn't like that. Yeah, so. I can... Gary McCord not allowed to broadcast anymore. The next big thing is where's the TV contract yeah, going to come from? I, I have studied this left and right, Tom. And Are I, we looking at Amazon? I don't think they want to go the streaming route. I really don't because, again, that's not a true television contract. Okay, which of the major three don't have or major four don't have any golf? Well, NBC has golf with yep. both tournament coverage and they have two majors right. the u.s open and the british cbs does they have uh the pga tour they have the pga championship and the masters okay 
ESPN has total right. first and second round coverage of the Masters. Right. Uh, Fox, I don't think will. They left on very bad terms with Greg Norman. Greg Norman was their lead analyst when right. in that brief two-year period where Fox right. had golf, and he was not a good analyst, and he, they didn't leave on good terms. So I don't know if they go get in bed with the Greg Norman project. Well, what do that, they want what's to? That leave you? See, I thought a perfect match would be Turner Sports. So Turner Sports being TBS, TNT. Right. They already have baseball on TBS. They have basketball, obviously. They're heavy with right. the NBA. They just got the NHL contract last year. So why not go after the LIV? It makes sense. It makes sense. Because I think Fox has got so much money wrapped up in football right now that that's their Yeah, football, their baseball, NASCAR, yeah. I mean, college hoops. Yeah, and, and college football, you know. And NFL and college yeah. football. I mean, Fox has a lot on their plate sports-wise. For them to take on a full-time gig with golf, I think, would be tough for them. See, then wouldn't it be a great deal? Because Barkley could stay at Turner Sports, mm-hmm. do his basketball, and then if they got the LIV. So, I know, that was that, that's my thought. They were definite winners this week. My loser of the week is going to be the PGA Tour. Of course, once again. Because they continue to, to lose young stars. Um for some reason, this younger generation and some of the older ones are not caring as much about the history and tradition of the game, the majors, and they're going after the money. And I can't blame them one bit. You know, I equate the PGA Tour to the NCAA. Yeah, a little bit. There's they're a lot of good comparisons there. They're both just kind of hanging on. And, um, and, they, and it's because of their own fault. They put themselves in these positions. Um, you know, the NCAA's done it with football, and football's going to break away and do their top 46 or 48 teams, uh, I and that's going to be it. I think within the next four or five years, there's a total disband. I think it might even be sooner because in 2025 is the last year, or 20, 2025 or 2026 season is the last year for the four teams going to the BCS. Okay. So I think it happens before that, Sean. And I think you get the buildup to it so that by 2026, 2027 season – you're going to have the Big Ten, the SEC. They're each going to have their own little playoff, and then, boom, you're going to have the two teams play for yeah, the championship. Yeah, could be. I would so. think if I'm the PGA Tour president right now, I'm handing in my uh, resignation because this thing is going to spiral out of control, and you may not see much more of a PGA Tour down the road. Well, this is what happens when you're the only game in town for so long. There's no other place for these players to go play. Nope. You know, and once this, you know, once this popped up, a fantastic opportunity for these guys, and of course they're going to jump at. Agreed. Uh, and the PGA Tour, let's face it, has made a ton of money over the years. Yeah, I think Jay Monahan, uh, Monahan is in trouble, so I can see him stepping down and just taking his buyout and walk away. What's done is done. Right. I agree. So. So we're going to go ahead and take a break here. Pause for the cause, as they say. Uh, We are live at the Seabreeze Lounge here in Palm Harbor, Florida. We'll be back in a moment. 